we're in a study and we're looking at um, does Jesus still matter in a world that rejects him and that rejects the Bible? Does Jesus still matter? And what we've looked at and we've traced the fuse from the very beginning of how everything led up to Jesus and now we're looking at how everything Jesus did, how it affected everything. And one of the things that oftentimes atheists or skeptics will point to is the seemingly discrepancies that are with science and the Bible and with Jesus and with Christianity. Oftentimes they'll point to uh, things that uh, uh, seem as apparent um, discrepancies, that things that just don't align and that are incompatible. One of the things that J. Warner Wallace in his book, Person of Interest, discovered is that when Jesus came on the scene, it actually affected science far more than we realize. And from early on, and, and, and even to today, uh, Christianity birthed folks asking questions about the natural world, not just reading the Bible and discovering who Jesus is there, but studying God's creation and discovering the things about God that are there. And did you realize and understand that uh, this is really a relatively new thing because Christianity and science uh, were not irreconcilable early on. Science has been advanced by Christians throughout history. And even now, the amount of decorated scientists who are Christians actually far outnumbers non-Christian scientists. You know that the most Nobel prizes given, given to Christians. So Christianity and science aren't incompatible. Now, we're not going to get into all that. My job and goal is not to convince you of all those things, I would encourage you, like J. Warner Wallace did, look into it yourself. Discover for yourself. Does, uh, did uh, science just happen to grow at the same rate that Christianity did? Or did really Christianity affect all aspects of the world? And his conclusion certainly was that it was. But what it really comes down to for you and I, because we can look at all the nitpicky little things every day, but at some point we have to decide. We have to decide. It comes down to one word. We just sing about it. One word, faith. Faith. It comes down to belief. And you and I have to decide. Will we examine the evidence we've, dis- we've examined thus far, and will we continue to draw our own conclusions and continue to nitpick? Will we continue to look at things that may or may not be incompatible, or will we decide, I believe, I have faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. See, that's the thing. Faith is this idea that I can believe in something that I cannot fully see, 
or understand. Now, you may think, well, that's the whole point of skepticism. That's the whole reason that there are skeptics, because then you're saying that I have to just have blind faith. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not blind faith. But it's finally realizing, is Jesus and his claims accurate and enough for me to just say, yes, I believe, I follow, I have faith in that. And I want to show you today how Jesus and seeing Jesus helps us to have faith. How seeing Jesus is the thing that is the difference maker. And I want to show you this from Scripture I may have every, be able to have every bit of evidence, but I have enough to decide whether I believe or not. And I pray that you will make a decision to, will you believe today? And this is what Hebrews eleven three 3 continues by saying, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. You see, it takes faith to see. It takes faith to observe. It takes faith to understand that God is the creator of all things. God is in charge of all things. And God made a way for you and I not to receive cosmic punishment from this God, but for you and I to see, receive love and grace from Jesus Christ. And so God himself came down to reconcile what was irre irreconcilable. God himself, through, the, through, through his son, through Jesus Christ, came down to make a way for you and I to see, to have our eyes opened so that faith can arise in you and me. And what you and I need today is faith. Not less faith. We need more faith. And you may be the most faith-filled person in this room, and I guarantee you, you need more. I need more faith. I need faith today. I need to see today. And I need to see every day who Jesus is and that he loves me and that he made a way for me to have reconciled uh, relationship with God Almighty. You and I, no matter where we are, no matter how we came into this room today, we need faith in Jesus. So let faith arise in my heart. Let faith arise in your heart. And listen, if you're a Christian today, you, you follow Jesus, you, you've had faith for a long time. Listen, can I just tell you? The world doesn't need just your ability to argue with them about whatever thing you think you should argue with them about. They need to look into your life and see that this is real for you. Then maybe they'll listen to what you have to say. The world doesn't want to hear Christians babble and go on about how religious we are and how perfect we are and how, un, uh, you, know, how you know, be judgmental and all that. No, they need to see in your life that you believe this that it redirects every aspect of your life, that Jesus matters to you. You and I need faith, but the world needs for you and I to have faith too. So let faith arise in you. Let faith arise in me. Let faith build up and let us see. And as Hebrews 3, 11, 3 says, faith helps us to see what was once unseen Paul, perhaps the greatest skeptic to ever live, 
Christianity, of Jesus and all his claims, eventually wrote these words in Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 17. And would you stand if you're able to honor the reading of God's word? And this is what he stated about Jesus. He said, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. For Paul, Jesus became everything. For Paul, Jesus became every single thing that he needed. He said he's the greatest of all. He was the image of the unseen God. He was born, the firstborn of all creation. Everything was created in him and through him, and everything that he has, he holds together. All things are held together in him. Jesus is everything. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is transcendent over your life and my life. And you and I, we all need him. We need to see him. And we need to have faith in him. And we need to live like we have faith in him so the world can see that he's real as well. Can I just say that half the reason there are skeptics in the world of Jesus today is because Jesus' followers have messed up. And so you and I must have faith in him and let him guide every aspect of our lives. I think this passage helps us to see three things and we understand three things that will ignite our faith. And I pray, I pray, I pray that these three things will ignite your faith today. That you and I won't walk out of here the way we came in. That our faith will arise. That faith will increase in you and me because of who Jesus is. Number one, according to this passage, Colossians 1, 15-7, in Jesus we see what was once unseeable. So you can scrutinize all day long you can scrutinize all day long the origins of the universe. You can scrutinize all these things and just get into all the details of that. You can argue with folks and all that kind of stuff. But unless you see Jesus, you are unable to see what was unseen. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you've got to just come to a place and realize Jesus is the answer. That's what happened to J. Warner Wallace as he's walking through his book. He helps us to see like his own story of coming to faith in Christ is that he examined the claims of Jesus. And as he continued to press into Jesus, the more he saw, the more he realized that Jesus is true, that Jesus is real. He does still matter, and he matters for J. Warner Wallace's life, and he matters for Derek's life, and he matters for your life today. Jesus is all and matters the most. Paul, the original skeptic, says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's God made visible. He's invisible made visible. He's unseen made seen. The God of the Old Testament that appeared in burning bushes and fiery clouds now was visible in a person. 
in Jesus Christ and that we could know who God was because we have seen him embodied in Jesus Christ. That the God that seems to be distant and far off and judgmental and, and really wants our worst was embodied in Jesus who was loving and kind and went and ate with people who were unlike him and ate with sinners and gave them freedom and gave his very life on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven of whatever we've done. If we place our trust in him, we will have hope in life. God made visible, sacrifice, sacrificial love made evident. Jesus Christ came to give his very life so that you and I could understand how much he loves us. And when we place our trust in Jesus, when we believe in him, when we have faith, our eyes are opened and we can see God who we once couldn't see. It's hard to explain if you hadn't experienced it yourself. It's hard to explain. If, and it's hard to explain if, if you haven't experienced it yourself. But man, once you see Jesus, really see him. Not, I'm not talking about what you've believed for most of your life, what your parents taught you, what your grandparents taught you, what you heard in Sunday school, what you studied in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not describing all the religious pursuit. I'm saying once you have seen Jesus, it's hard to explain. Once you have seen his love for you personally, individually, once Jesus has spoken to your own heart, it's hard to explain. But man, friends, can I tell you, once you see him, what you understand, you understand what Paul's saying here. That he was made visible to you, to me. What you've seen him, I don't mean physically. That'd be awesome. That'd be, we would all be spellbound. I mean, we'd probably fall on the floor. But what I mean is once he, is, once he has opened your eyes, as we sang about a moment ago, once he has really opened your eyes to who he is you can't walk back from that it's amazing it's wonderful it's glorious once you have seen jesus when he has awakened something in you when he awakens something in your heart and you just know you just know that god is real and it's not just enough to know about this god but it's to know him to know him experientially is what we need to know him in a personal way is what you and I need to realize that he is infinitely more satisfying than anything that this world could offer when you and I put Jesus in view when we say as John did, did here in first John what we read just a moment ago that we've seen him and touched him and we've heard about him and we've seen him with our own eyes and we handled the word of truth we have seen him lifted up we have seen him in who he is then all the other things fade away and Jesus is the only thing that you want it's that verse of, of song that you and I have sang for so long. It says, when we look fully in the face of Jesus, then the things of the world grow strangely dim. When we gaze and fix our eyes on him, then all the rest fades away. You want to know how to conquer sin in your life? 
You want to know how to beat an addiction in your life? You want to know how to get your life right? It's not coming to church. Just coming to church won't do it. Just following man's ideas won't do it. It's you gazing upon the face of Jesus in your own life, and he will put the shackles off of you. He will throw them off of you, and he'll put them far, far away. You won't desire those things anymore. You will desire him and him alone. He will become the thing that you want, and all the other things will fade away. Can I just say for a moment, we, we church people, we... We can be so judgmental. And we think, and we, we believe this about ourselves sometimes too. If we'll just fix this about me, if I'll just fix that, if we could just fix that, then God can work in their life. That's not how Jesus works. We run to Jesus, and Jesus changes us. We don't change and then run to Jesus. We'll continue living our own way, we'll become Pharisees at best. We need to see Jesus, really, truly see him, and then he will change us. Maybe you came in today with the weight of the world on you, thinking that you had to get your life right, and you had to get this right, and you had to leave this sin, and you had to stop doing this thing to get right with God so God would love you. That's just not how it works. Jesus died knowing you couldn't do that on your own at all anyway. Romans 5, 8, my favorite verse in the Bible says, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still walling around in our dirty, nasty sin, Christ still died for us. I added the Derek translation a little bit. When we were still in sin, Christ died for us, knowing, knowing that who we were, He's not surprised by whatever you've done. He's not surprised by your sin and failures. He's not surprised by the things that hold you captive. Now, he doesn't want you to stay there. Like he said to the woman caught in adultery, he says, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He wants us to change. And my heart is that no matter where you are, no matter what you face, no matter the things you face in, the life of your, in your life, that you would be able to come into this room and that you would be able to pursue Jesus here and that we would just be glad that you're here but we don't want you to leave the same way you came in because you've encountered him and when you encounter him he changes our lives can, I, can somebody just say amen that's exciting Jesus changes us he changes our lives and he doesn't leave us where we were he renews us and changes us. And friend, if you're here today, Jesus can change you too. Would you pursue him? Don't, pers don't pursue a list of rules. Don't pursue church membership. That's, those are important, but they come secondary. Pursue Jesus first, and he'll put it all in line for you. In Jesus, we see what was once, once unseeable. We see in Jesus that all things were created in him. In Jesus, all things were created. Paul continues, he says, he's the firstborn over all creation and everything was created in him. Jesus helps us 
see God and know God because Jesus is God. One with God, in the beginning with God, he created all things and has all authority and all dominion over all things. Over all things. Paul came to this conclusion. This is back to point one for a second. Paul came to this conclusion in his own life and he says, I press on toward the prize of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. You want to know how you and I know every day that Jesus is what matters most? We press on toward him. We press into Jesus every day. And each, each and every one of us needs to press into him every day. Each and every one of us needs to realize he's already in charge over our lives, whether we acknowledge it or not. We might as well just beat him to the punch and say, Lord, you're my Lord. You're the Christ. You have saved me. You, or you have offered salvation. You have given me away. God, Jesus Christ, was there at the beginning. He created all things. Back to point two now. He's created all things, and you and I ought to press into him every day. Every day, not just once a week, not just in the mornings when we might open our Bibles or a Bible app and read a verse of Scripture and kind of move on with our day. We ought to press into Him every moment of every day. Press into Jesus. Jesus had the right to be believed in. He's not anti-science. He's creator. He created science, and he uses science, and science is compatible with him. He was there when it was all created. The third thing we see is that in Jesus, all things are held together. Paul says that all things are held together in him. Not only did Jesus create all things, but all things are held in his hand. That song that we sang as little kids, he's got the whole world in his hand, right? It's cute. It's true. It's true. Got the little bitty babies, right? You just want to sing it? I know you do. I can feel it. <laughs> I do, so you just indulge me. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Everybody's got the little bitty babies. In his hands, he's got the little bitty babies. In his hands, he's got the little bitty babies. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. All right, harmonies. I'm just kidding. All right. Anyway. <clears throat> he holds, yeah, praise him. He's, all right. He holds all things together in his hands. Jesus, Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, the image of the unseen God, this wonderful, immaculate, transcendent God put in flesh, Jesus holds it all together. Holds it all together. He created all things and also has the power to make sure it all operates and works as it should. Do you know that if the tilt of the earth would just off one or two degrees either way, we'd either burn up or freeze to death? And evolutionists can't explain that. But we know why, because God, God holds all things in his hands. 
Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, made the planet to be able to sustain life. And Jesus created you. And whether you believe it or not, Jesus holds all things together in your life. And Jesus extends an opportunity for you and I to look to him, to press into him, to have faith. And he will change you and I. Jesus gives us the opportunity to decide whether or not we'll live our lives believing in him. So that's the call today. We're going to close. Jason's going to come and uh, in just a minute I'll pray. The worship team will come. And the call for all of us is that Jesus would either give us faith or increase our faith. Maybe you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord. I pray that he would give you faith today. Come, I'd love to share with you. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. I'd love to schedule a time to meet with you and share with you how you can trust in him. But we all need our faith to be increased. We all need to press in, as Paul said, to press on toward the, toward the prize of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And so would we just pray today that God would increase our faith? Would you pray with me? Would you stand and let's pray, God, give me more faith. God, give me more faith to believe in you, Lord. Maybe today it's hard for you to muster that up. And so maybe you're like the guy that Jesus came to who was concerned about his child that was demon-possessed. And Jesus said, do you believe it? He says, I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray. and Just say, Lord, I want to believe, but you're going to have to help me. I need your help. Wherever you are, would you pray just in this moment that God would either give you faith, that he would increase your faith or help your unbelief in this moment, and that Jesus would give you a moment to fix your eyes on him so that when we look upon his face, we look upon who he is, that we would gaze upon him and pursue him and reach out to him and go after him, that all the other things would grow strangely dim. Friends, that's not something you or I can do on our own. We need him to activate it in our hearts. And so as we sang before, Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let us sing this song with enthusiasm and let us respond to him however he's called us to do. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Speak to our hearts. Change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.